your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Hello, Josh. Kia ora. How's it going? It's good. It's good. Uh, have you managed to um, put your feet up a little bit from uh, school kids returning to school? No more school holidays for a week? For a week or? Oh, not really. You think it'd be a break, but now it just means that those same kids are coming to their schools. So. Oh. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, so straight back into it. Just school groups. Yeah, straight sure. back into it. Flowing through the the old stardom. What's happening at the stardom uh, at the present? Yeah, we um, we uh, actually was just um, with one of my colleagues. We're just about to launch a, a new show next week, which is quite exciting. Um, so it's a seasonal show, which is called Ngawahanga o Te Tau, which is Seasons of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's about winter, of course. So it's, yeah, it's a new show that's about the, uh, the stars that we see in the winter, um, the Te Ao Māori perspective, you know, well, how that relates to us in New Zealand. Um, and yeah, I just I just had a run through of it. So it's a really awesome show. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. And now where can people get tickets for that one? Uh, it's already on the website, actually, so I think advertisements go up tomorrow, but it is bookable. Um, it's basically every Tuesday uh, for the next five, maybe six weeks, I believe. Um, yeah, and then we'll be switching over into the uh, the spring one eventually. Wow. <laughs> I mean, winter's flying by, isn't it? I know. I know, finally. Now, what sort of news are we covering this week? We've got some <clears throat> new, di- well, I, what would you say new discoveries from the James Webb Telescope? Yeah, bloody every week with the um, James Webb Space mm-hmm. Telescope. Yeah, we had um, a whole bunch of new things, well, constantly do James Webb, um, and some news from Europe about some satellites this week, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want to start with? Uh, let's do Webb, Webb first. Okay. Now, why has this story s- struck you? Um, which one did I send to you? Because there was a few that I was trying to pick from. Ah, uh, the water vapour. <laughs> In, That's uh, right, water vapor. Yes. It wasn't the black hole. I was between, picking between a black hole and water vapor. I could do um, both. Why not? I could do both. Um, yeah, I'll start with that story. So basically, um, yeah, James Webb, it's, we've detected um, water vapor around a, a star, basically. So stars formed. Uh, there's a whole bunch of you know planets and stuff that are forming around that star. Um, and we've detected water, which in itself is, you know, that's not a discovery. We've found water around stars before. Um, but this is actually the first time that we've found water vapor uh, basically in the area where the rocky planets would be forming and basically where where Earth would have been when you know when we were forming around the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a glimpse into like our early solar system and we've never actually found water to be lying in that area where you know eventually when those planets form, um, liquid water could actually exist on those planets because it's you know not too hot, not too cold. Um, and this is the first time we've directly seen that. So that, that's a really big, uh, it's a pretty important discovery for astronomers, you know, because water is the most important thing we look for in space. How on earth, I mean, well, excuse, excuse the, the pun there, but how, how the heck has that water ended up in this bit of space where these planets are forming? Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about what water's made of, it's just hydrogen and oxygen, and those, you know, those elements themselves are not necessarily rare, um, but the rarity with water is, you know, how close it is to the star and if it exists in liquid form, essentially. So that's really hard to find in space because most water in space is frozen, mm. uh, you know, in the you know, deep, deep freeze of space, basically. But to find it near, near enough to a star where it's not completely vaporized and that it could actually exist on these planets, is, we've, just, we've never found that before, and that's mm-hmm. really significant. And only Webb has, you know, powerful enough optics for us to actually see that. Uh, we're, you know, we've thought it for years, but we just haven't been able to confirm it until now. Now, I mean, what's what 
form is this particular water and is it like just frozen sheets of water or is it like frozen like dust that's floating around these planets yeah it, it's it's in vapor form so it's basically mixed in with all of the gas and the dust that is actually forming those planets mm-hmm. so we know that there are planets forming and within that area is that water vapor um but you know that's really significant because you know when we look at earth and our water um for a really long time we used to think that the water on earth came from comets so we thought that these icy bodies you know would hit earth over time and we got water eventually um, but we found out that that's not really the case because we visited some comets and we found out that their water is very different than the water that we have mm. um, so it's actually more likely that the water that earth has was basically already there it was in the area when our planet was forming um, and so that's kind of what we're now seeing with this james webb discovery yeah. we're actually seeing that process around another star which is really significant because you know this is basically telling us this is potentially how earth formed and how we got our water how is the water on comets different to the water that we have have on earth yeah, I mean, you know, we can carbon date a lot of stuff in space. So when we went to the comets, we, um, back in, I think, 2014, we landed on a comet and we studied it. And we've actually brought samples of comets um, through dust back to Earth. And we've just found that the water, um, the structure and the makeup of that water is just slightly different than the water that we find, say, in, you know, our oceans. Um, and it kind of gives us a fingerprint of where that water came from and how old that water is. And we just found that that water and a lot of the other water that we have studied is just different than that on Earth. Um, so it's kind of put into question, you know, we probably didn't get a lot of our water from comets, mm-hmm. and it probably is from, you know, these discoveries that, you know, we're just now seeing, essentially. Yes, yes. Now, on to space junk. There's obviously been, we've talked about this many a time here on Spaced Out, about what are we going to do about all mm. these bits of... Old satellite and stuff yeah, that's been fired up into into space, and how is it just going to sit up there forever, or is it going to fall to fall to Earth eventually? And uh, the European Space Agency has decided that they are going to attempt to bring down one of their satellites. Yeah, so yeah, basically the ESA, European Space Agency, they've um, they've kind of formulated plans to have a controlled re-entry of a satellite, which in itself is not unusual. We've done it before. Um, but the difference with this is it's the first time that we're actually um, specifically assisting in that point where it's going to basically fly through the atmosphere and be destroyed. We're kind of, you know, giving ourselves a target as to when do we need to fire the engines on this, you know, dying satellite to make sure that it actually falls to the Earth at a certain point. Mm. Um, we've not done that before. You know, we've we've had satellites fall to the atmosphere. We've, we've fired the thrusters and just let them fall into the ocean. Um, but we've never actually directly controlled and assisted as to where that's going to go. Um, so this is kind of a really big first. And I think, you know, ESA has come out and said that we hope that this is kind of um, an indicator of what's possible and that future satellite makers and providers can actually follow suit because it's really the most sustainable and responsible way to hopefully, you know, get rid of satellites at the end of their life. Is there a particular angle for re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere that would ensure that this satellite burns up as much as possible? So there's like nothing yeah, I mean, you want to get like a pretty um, kind of shallow angle because if you just go, you know, straight through the atmosphere, you have mm. less atmosphere to pass through. So if you kind of get that grazing kind of orbit where it starts to slowly fall through, that's basically the best one. Um, but, you know, most satellites, they will start to burn up kind of just under 100 k's. That's when the air basically starts to get, you know, thick enough that it's going to cause friction, it's going to mm. cause resistance. 
And then by the time you get to about 80 Ks, that's basically when they start to burn up. Um, but yeah, they're going to control it. So they want to burn as much of it off as possible because, you know, they've said themselves that some of it might reach the ground. So that's why they're doing this, you know, highly controlled experiment. So if we have things in the future which are big enough to hit the ground, we can actually control exactly where they fall, which is usually into the ocean, um, and, you know, avoid population areas and such. Now, this is a, it's a weather, um, weather satellite. Mm. How big is it, and will it put on a bit of a show as it re-enters? Yeah, I think it's like the size of a small car. So, I mean, yeah. it's a decent size. Um, and satellites also, you know, they're often a lot bigger than just the body because they've got like big solar panels mm. on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a weather satellite, and these are usually kind of the bigger, chunkier satellites that we put into space. Um, and it's, I believe this was a wind satellite, so it was actually tracking wind on the Earth. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it worked for about five years. We only wanted it to work for that one. So mm. it's also just outlived its life expectancy. Yes. Um, and with that, you know, last tiny bit of remaining fuel, um, instead of just leaving it, you know, to fall randomly to the earth, they're going to use that last piece of fuel um, to hopefully burn up, you know, any of the big bits that might make it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a bit of a bit of a crack at just trying to get rid of some space junk and see how we go. And hopefully the yeah, I mean, they figure out can... It'll, um, it'll be going to, it's a place called, uh, it's near Point Nemo. So it's this point in the Pacific where you're basically the furthest from any landmass. Yes. Um, and it's kind of called a satellite graveyard. So a lot of things um, have fallen there before and this, this is going to be their target basically. So yeah, just east of New Zealand essentially. Do they put a, a ship or anything out there to try and see it land in the ocean? Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's an extremely remote area. I mean, there is really nothing that goes through there. Not even, you know, a lot of ships don't really go through there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just a, a testament of how remote it is. Like when the astronauts on the space station go over that area, mm-hmm. um, the closest people that they are, that they are to them, to those, you know, sailors on a ship is actually the astronauts in space. It's wow. an extremely remote area. It's something like two or 3,000 Ks from the nearest landmass. So the most it's remote a safe place on Earth. There says Google. Yeah, Point Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Hey, Josh, uh, anything else that we need to know about the Stardome um, in the next couple of weeks? You've obviously got the new show starting, but what else? Yeah, obviously, yeah, new show, which is going to be cool. Um, yeah, we've got our sci-fis, which is starting tomorrow. So we've got Men in Black. Um, we've got, yeah, we've got a few seconds of that left. So, yeah, that's starting tomorrow. And if anyone wants to have a look at the other sci-fis, there's some really great ones on there. Um, we've basically got two a month for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, we're really churning through them. Awesome, mate. All right. Hey, Josh, look forward to speaking with you in a fortnight's time. Cool. We'll speak to you then. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.